Hi everybody, this is George Heffler, and you're listening to The Best Little Horror House in Philly. This is the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest at least. And today's guest is my friend Mason Koval. How are you doing, Mason? I'm doing great. How are you, George? I'm doing great as well. Now, Mason and I, we've been friends for a little while, uh, since college, and I know that Mason is a big fan of horror, but I'm not totally sure on, on what his favorite style is. So, Mason, why don't you tell us a little bit about your horror proclivities? So, growing up, me and my best friend, Derek, we used to watch all the slasher horror movies like Halloween, the Friday the 13th, the Freddy, like the Freddy vs. Jason, and all that stuff. And that's what we really reveled in. We loved all the kills, the fun, energizing like moments, the heartbeat palpitating. And sure really just kind of building up to waiting for that moment. It's all funny news. We never took it really seriously. Um, it's I, fun, Jan! <laughs> but, like, as you know, like, all these kills are ridiculous. Like, I think in one of the Halloween movies he gets killed with, like, an ice skate to the face. Yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Joseph, in fact. Yeah, that's Joseph an Gordon-Levitt? HBO, yeah. Oh, I, I, I forgot about that, that it was him. But, yeah, like, it's all fun. It's all good times, and it was just... But it didn't start there. Like, when I was a kid growing up, um, I always wanted to see a horror movie. I wanted to see The Exorcist. And my mom said, well, if you want to see it, you have to do it the right way. In the basement, we're waiting until it rains. Thunderstorm. And this is me being seven years old. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. (laughs) And then the moment when the little girl crawled down the steps backwards, crab crawled down the steps, I ran up the the stairs, (laughs) horrified, and my mom laughed at me. Yeah, Um, I would too. But after that, I felt like I was really hardened to sure, it's a real trial by fire <laughs> it sure was and i think i just love the different tricks and special effects that they pull out of all these movies yeah, it's absolutely. real talent um and the whole fan base around it just really cements it as being like real cultural yeah it's i feel like horror is a very inclusive in, uh fandom in that if you're into horror you're already in that's the only qualification right <laughs> right right you're right and there are so many subsets of it, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's the fun, campy stuff. There's, like, the dark psychological stuff that really digs into your brain and sears itself there and might scar you for days after. Yeah. But there's also stuff that's, like, not doesn't come across as horror at first, but then once you sit on it and think about it, it's just fucks with your head. And, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, without any further ado, you already mentioned one classic, and today's movie is another classic. We're talking about 1974's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre by Toby Hooper. We are. This is one of the granddaddies of all slashers. Pretty much this and and, uh, Black Christmas, and Mm -hmm. as we were talking about a little bit before, to a certain extent, Psycho as well. Mm -hmm, To an extent. But the ramifications of this movie coming out and the influence that it's had uh, truly can't be understated. It really can, Um, in a number of different facets, like... This movie was, as you said, it was like the granddaddy of all slashers. It also helped inspire that whole based on a true story motive. Yeah. Like the whole like trope where it's movie based on a true story and people really get invested in it. Like when I saw Text Chainsaw Massacre, I saw the original one actually later, which I think is far superior than the one we're talking about today. But the remake is the one I saw first. And they had like a documentary found footage style right. in, in the beginning of that. When I was maybe eight or nine, that really stuck with me, and I actually researched. I, tried, I thought it was a real case. I it it, it feels very real, and, and they real. say this is a real thing. Yeah. This is a thing that happened. This is from the police department of Bumblefuck, Texas, yeah. and um, <laughs> you're. this is from the archives, and they never found the killer. Yeah. And, I mean, of course, as I did more research, I found out that was not true, but the fact that 
it is based very loosely on some real life events, and yeah. you'll see that in the film. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. But the fact that that really reeled people in and like gave them the f- thought that oh my god, this stuff might happen in real life mm-hmm. really let people's imaginations run wild. What you could stumble upon in America. Yeah, and it's it's particularly interesting in my mind because as someone from the Northeast, you know, the Southwest feels like an entirely different planet. It sure does. It, it's yeah. it's far away in terms of actual distance and it's far away in terms of different culture. It's not yeah. necessarily a worse culture, but it is it's very different. It sure is. It feels like they're exploring this alien planet and we're we're joining them on this expedition and holy crap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> holy crap is right. <laughs> look at look at these insane people yeah. who are who are there and, and torturing these kids. Now We'll talk a little bit about the director real quick. It's directed by Toby Hooper, who has also directed such hit films as Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. And he worked really hard on this movie, and he filmed it for only $60,000, yes. which is remarkable. That's, really that's yeah. such a micro-budget, and it really goes to show you how far you can stretch a dollar if you are working hard and you get actors who are just as committed as you are. Now, to give a little synopsis of it, just for people who aren't super familiar, en route to visit their grandfather's grave, which has been desecrated, we don't know who, but somebody has been robbing graves in this area, Mm -hmm. and it turns out that these kids who are on this trip, their grandfather's grave is one such uh, desecrated thing. Which I will note, that is part of the thing that was mentioned as a true story. That is part that was taken from real life, that someone was actually doing this. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really... It, the fact that they drop in these little true bits it definitely helps to make it feel real. Because it, it when you look into it, you find out these facts that, oh, yeah, this is a part that was real. Mm-hmm. And it, it all blends in together to make one awesome, awesome movie. Especially <laughs> during like, the nightmare scenes that we'll talk about later. Like, you're like, oh, my God, this has to be just like made up because it's such a messed up scenario. <laughs> but you're like, oh, that part was real. Yeah. <laughs> like the armchair made of arms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... So uh, these teenagers are on their way to check out what's been going on with their grandfather's grave, and as they go, they drive past the slaughterhouse and pick up a hitchhiker mm-hmm. who really shakes them up a little bit, yes. and they pull over a little later after managing to get him out of the car, and they're pursued by even more psychopathic, cannibalistic killers. We find out that this hitchhiker is in fact part of this group, the gas station owner is part of this group. Everyone that they meet, it's it, they're all part of the gang. They're all in on it. Yeah. And so it's about these teenagers basically trying to get away with their lives as they explore this uh, rural Texas area. And uh, it's really intense. It as, as we'll talk about a little more as we go, They you, people think that they see more in this movie than they, they do. It has this reputation as one of the goriest movies of all time. But that's not it's, the case. It's very not. No, and I think the bloodiest scene is like the first kill. I would say. Yeah. Even it's not even that bloody. Like, the man dies and you see some blood on his face, but that's about all that it gets, comes down to. Sure. And like, yeah. In fact, uh, so let's talk about that first kill. Um, it's Kirk William Vale is mm-hmm. the actor who plays Kirk, and right after we get this whole spiel from Franklin, who's uh, who's a, a handy capable person played by Paul A. Partain. Mm-hmm. And 
he go he gives this whole story in the car about how their grandfather used to work at the slaughterhouse. He regales them with the brutality of what went down in there and how they would hit them with a the sledgehammer, mm-hmm. but you know it wouldn't always kill them on the first strike, and so you'd have to hit them again and again and maybe even a fourth time. Yeah. Um, and that they would sh- sit there shaking and and you know it's really just a brutal way of killing them. And this first kill that we see right off the bat is very similar to that. He gets hit in the head with a hammer by Leatherface, our, our main antagonist here, and he drops, but he is shaking and having a seizure. He and moving. He's moving. He's doing a little dance there yeah. on the ground. And, uh, <laughs> not a happy one. No, not a happy one. And it's it's really it's hard to watch because it he's doing a great job. He is. It, that, it, that. It's very graphic, and I've never seen someone get hit in that way, but yeah. I would imagine that that's what would happen if your brain is just malfunctioning after yeah. being struck with a metal hammer by a massive man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and you're immediately brought to mind of the story that they told in the car, and you're like, oh, this is the movie that I'm in for. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> slaughter of meat. Yeah, just yeah. People, animals, whatever. Absolutely. So they... Let me, let me actually back up for a second. So is they are they're driving down this highway and they go to their grandfather's house first. Mm-hmm. And... Franklin is, uh, he's kind of got a piss-poor attitude. Which is understandable to a point. I, uh, yeah, sure. It's it's also 100 degrees outside. Miserable. Um, I'm sure it wasn't far from the truth that what the actors were feeling. Sure. The hitchhiker has already scared them at this point. Yeah. Um, the hitchhiker, of course, played by Ed Neal, who does an amazing job of being truly creepy um i think he convinced an entire generation to never pick up hitchhikers yeah yeah uh i wouldn't i would not be surprised by that and each thing that he does in the car is creepier and creepier yeah uh first he cuts his own hand Mm -hmm. and you're like all right that's weird yeah then he takes a picture of franklin and lights it on fire also weird also weird just escalating in the weird yeah and then finally he grabs franklin's arm and slices his arm up as if he had didn't have enough problems. Right. Yeah. And and so finally, this is the thing. This is the straw that breaks the camel's yes, back. Yeah. <laughs> and so they finally <laughs> kick him out. And um, they're they drive a little further down the road. They're looking for their grandfather's house. They're a little lost. Mm-hmm. So they stop at a gas station to kind of recuperate and try and get directions to their grandfather's house. They speak to the gas station owner who tells them that you shouldn't be messing around on other people's property. Uh, soon they'll find out just how true that is. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they're, they're all sort of still shook up from this guy with good reason, in oh, my yeah. opinion. Absolutely. And they get back in the car, and they're looking for something fun to do. Yeah. They, they have been shook up by this. Franklin, unfortunately, can't really do anything. It's hard for him to even get in the house, so he is getting angrier and angrier. But Kirk and his girlfriend, Pam, they they decide that they're going to go looking for the watering hole. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to go for a little swim, yep. and Franklin tells them that it's down the, down the path between the two sheds. Mm-hmm. A and little swim. A little swim. <laughs> yeah, a little swim, in <laughs> quotes. Um, and so Pam and Kirk... They disappear. They go. They go down the path, and mm-hmm. and we're, we're stuck with Sally, played by Marilyn Burns, who she does a really awesome job in she this does. movie, and Jerry, who's Alan Danzinger, and he was the driver. Yes. He was driving them around, 
And so they're all still at Grandpa's house, and Pam and Kirk are wandering down this, this pathway, and they find another house down there. They don't see the watering hole, but Kirk kind of messes up his ankle a little bit. Yeah, There's a, a lot of some pretty, divots. Some pretty treacherous terrain. Sure. And I think that'll play some roles later in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yes. And so he hurts his ankle, and they decide to check out this house that they find See if they can find someone there who can give them a little help. Mm-hmm. And also, it's just a, it's a nice house, and they want to check it out, say hi to the neighbors. So they go in, and Pam is not having any of it. She's like, this is a creepy house. I'm, I have no interest in going in here. Especially after the events that occurred today. Yeah, yeah I, wouldn't, I would not. Yeah, I, I'm, on, <laughs> I'm on Team Pam. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to be as cautious as possible, just maybe enjoy some swing and a nice, yeah. beautiful, hot afternoon. Yeah, so she sits down on the swing outside, um, but Kirk decides that he needs to explore a little further. Mm-hmm. So he goes in, and he's, he barely makes his way into the house before... Boom, out of nowhere, there's Leatherface. Yes. He is not named as such. That is just the name ascribed to him in, in the scripts and mm-hmm. stuff. But no one is like, hey, that's Leatherface. No. There's like, <laughs> oh, there's a giant man with a mask on? They yeah, that's the thing. You, uh, it's such a... His first appearance is so quick that you're like, I think he has a mask on, but you can't really tell. He looks sort of human, mm-hmm. but it's just this mammoth of a man. Larger than life, yeah. and he's not really introduced by any kind of musical cue either. Yeah. It's very silent. You just kind of walk, you hear footsteps, and there's a six-foot-eight man in front of you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very intense. And yeah. like we said, he comes out, he hits Kirk on the head with the hammer, Kirk drops. Does a dance. Does his dance, and uh, and he gets pulled inside by Leatherface, who then slams a big metal door behind him. Which that door that echoes throughout the entire house, and it, yeah. it really sets a tone for the brutality that's happening. Yeah, it totally does. That it's so quick, it happens so fast, and we're we're like, well, I guess that's it. Yeah. I guess there there goes Kirk. <laughs> yeah, there but for the grace of Kirk, go I. <laughs> and. Pam obviously is out. She's still outside, but she hears this. She hears the clang, and she is getting a little nervous, as is merited by the situation. Yes. yes. And so she she also advances into the house. Mistake number one. Yes. I mean, I think it would be mistake number two. Of, That's true. Or right. three of the movie. The first one's picking up the hitchhiker. Second one, him going there. Yeah. Third would be her just following after him. Yeah. Pam follows him in, and she's exploring a little bit. Leatherface is occupado. <laughs> yes, I mean, he, he has a fresh body to tend to. Yeah. And we don't know if he's dead yet. Yeah, he's exactly. Kitchen, so. Exactly. Uh, so Pam is exploring a little bit, and she stumbles into a room that uh, can only be described as horrific. And you can just smell the room through the screen. Yeah, you it's absolutely just... smell it. There's a chicken in a very tiny cage, so there, I'm sure there's chicken shit all over the place. Mm-hmm. But even worse than that is dozens of bodies and skeletons in there. It's like an art gallery for the drain. Absolutely. There's a skull that has like a bullhorn or a ram horn like shoved through its mouth and and there's teeth that have been just knocked out and there's there's a coffee table made of legs and arms and just like a rib cage as the center. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's truly horrific and understandably Pam is not thrilled. She um, (laughs) starts to smell the room and see what she's looking at and starts to Vomit to contribute to the rumors. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and uh, and obviously her first instinct is to get the hell out of there. As anyone, the would. first reasonable thing anyone's yeah. done so far in this yes, movie. I would say so. <laughs> and she starts running out, and oh god, here he comes! Leatherface sees her as well, gives a gives her a big old a big old 
bear hug. Can yeah. You get over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's she's literally out the door. She is out the door. She is so close. She's so close to getting away. And Leatherface grabs her in a very iconic scene and drags her back in. And in order to keep her from getting away while he deals with the corpse of Kirk, he meat hooks her. He yes. just puts her on a meat hook. This is one of those scenes where they really let your imagination do a lot of the work, but it is working overtime. Oh, it is. Um, I mean, as you mentioned before, people thought they saw way more than was actually shown. Yeah, they think that they're actually seeing the hook go into her and everything, but it's really, it's just great acting by Terry McMinn, and she is wailing and, and flailing. Wailing and just, as much as someone who just got impaled in the back would. Yeah. Um, and... There's just a really nice shot, reverse shot. You see the you see the hook, and then quick reverse shot of her getting put mm-hmm. onto the hook in quotes again, and it's it's a really nice trickery with the camera that Toby Hooper did a, a great job with. Meanwhile, you have Leatherface, and he's dealing with the body, and finally leave this house. The camera leaves. That's the first time we also see a chainsaw in the whole movie. It's true. It's yeah. true. Yes, the the titular chainsaw and. We go back to the other fan, to the other team, the other team. <laughs> we go back to the other group, yes. And they are starting to get a little worried because they said they would be back in an hour when they were going for this swim, and they're getting a little nervous. So they decide to send Jerry looking for him. Yes. And he meanders over and. Leatherface is like, what the hell is happening? These people just keep walking on my stoop, and <laughs> yeah. no one comes back here. Yeah, he, he he walks into the into the house. Jerry does. Leatherface is taken by surprise again, and Jerry he finds the meat locker. Yeah, the it's like a freezer in in the kitchen where he opens it up because he hears some like rustling or something. Bit. Yeah. He opens it up, and there is Pam herself. She seems to be barely alive, but she is alive still. Yeah, she is. She, like, throws herself out of the freezer. (laughs) Uh, And and Leatherface comes in. He says, holy... He doesn't say this, but his... Certainly his body language says, holy shit, a third person. Where'd you come from? (laughs) He just slowly but surely, kids are trickling into his house, and he's not happy about it. No. So, he grabs Jerry, he puts uh, Pam back in the freezer. He bashes him with, like, a meat cleaver in yeah, the head, in, like, that's the right. throat. Yeah. Which I, and also, I think the scene after that is very interesting, because it kind of humanizes him in a way where he's like, what the fuck's going on? Like you mentioned, he kind of goes, he freaks out, looks outside, makes sure no one else is there. Yeah. And he sits down with his hands in his, with his face in his hands, just like, where are these people coming from? Like, yeah. They're almost, it's almost like he's experiencing his own horror in a way that's, yeah, what? sure. It's like a home invasion yeah. horror. Yeah. This, For is, him. this is his straw dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, at this point, we finally gotten a good look at Leatherface. Yeah. Um, especially in this scene where he is sitting there with his hands in his face, or his head in his hands. Yes. His hands in his face. face. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like the uh, the guy from um, Pan's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. <laughs> and uh, and. You get a good look at him, and you realize that it is indeed a mask, but it's a mask made out of human skin that's been stitched together. It looks like like a couple of heads. Yeah. Because his head looks like it's pretty large, mm-hmm. and there's the face, and then there's like the sides, and then the back. Yeah, it's it's clearly been stitched together. It's nasty. 
is it's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you really realize, okay, this is not even close to the first time that this has happened. You know, oh, he no. has this he has this room full of skeletons. Yes. He has this face mask made of other people, uh, and you're he's already killed at least two of these people. Now a third, and he has no. He has no hesitation. Yeah, exactly. So you, you know that like this has been going on for a long fucking time. Yeah, and Gunner uh, Gunner Hansen, who plays Leatherface, mm-hmm. has said that he portrays Leatherface as mentally handicapped. Mm-hmm. He is not supposed to have all of his faculties, and I think that that really lends to what you were talking about, where it seems like he's so he doesn't understand what's happening, why these people are just showing up. Yeah. And he really seems distressed. Yeah. And it does sort of humanize him a little bit. It does a little bit. And I think also, we'll probably talk about it later, but the gas station attendant, he seems abusive to everybody who he comes in contact with. Yeah, for sure. So you know there's some kind of trauma there that helped feed this behavior. So we'll talk a little bit about the inspiration for Leatherface now. This seems like a good good moment it to does. digress a little bit. Um, Leatherface is, has a lot of influence from Ed Gein, mm-hmm. notorious... Technically not a serial killer. No. Because he only killed two people. Yes. Only killed two people. As oh. if only <laughs> is to make him seem like any better of a person. But right. He but, was still a ghoul of a man. Yes, he was absolutely. And he did rob graves to find bodies and make furniture out of the skin and bones skin, and stuff. bones, organs that were left there. Yes. Uh, notoriously, he wore uh, a skin dress yes. at one point. So Leatherface clearly has a lot of influence from Ed Gein pulled into him. That's why he has this human mask on him. Well, it's, where's all the the human furniture? Yeah. Else mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not even just the room. Later we see a head chandelier of Which sorts. Which is actually horrifying. Yeah, it's really gross. Yeah. It, like its eyes and mouth are stitched shut. It looks sort of like um, a shrunken head. It does. In, the opposite sort of. Where it it's, looks like two heads sewn together. Yeah. 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 It's it's really gross. <laughs> So he has this influence. It's in people's mind at the time. You know, people are aware of Ed Gein. And so this definitely would call to mind this true case. And so that's another way of being like, yes, this is a true story. It's it's something that could really happen to these kids. So we now have three people dead. Yes. And we cut back to the other team, as I said before. Just um, um, Finally, yeah. it's Franklin and Sally are the only ones left. And they're their brother and sister, so they're they're bickering just because they're family members, and they, it's hot, and people are vanishing, and they're probably hungry too at this they're, point. Yeah, they're, they're hungry, just, just hangry, just hot. Yeah, sweaty. just it's a real shitty situation yeah, for everyone. Yeah. Even even before they know that their friends are dead. Yeah, but Sally in particular is getting very nervous, and she. Decides that her and Franklin need to go looking for them. Mm. Uh, Franklin is not inclined to do this, partially because of his wheelchair, which yeah. would prevent him. From... It's, it's very difficult for the man. Yeah, and he's clear. He's clearly had issues, uh, even just getting into the house, like we said before. Yeah, and he he wants to go back to the gas station to to get help from there, mm-hmm. call the police, that sort of thing. This is what I would do. That's probably the most logical. Sure, it seems it certainly seems reasonable. Who knows in the in the heat of the moment, though. That's true. But Sally manages to convince him. They start meandering down this path that Franklin had sent them down, and Leatherface is prepared this time. <laughs> He's seen three people come his way. Yeah, 
he knows there's probably going to be more. Yeah. And they walk up, and they get to the house, and finally the the chainsaw, we get to see it in action. It's now nighttime, but Leatherface bursts out. And he, he chainsaws Franklin... Multiple times. Multiple just, times. Just stabbed with the chainsaw yeah. on multiple times. He inspired many a whorehouse um, employee yeah. <laughs> for decades to come. Yeah, absolutely. And you see the blood splashes onto his, his apron. His meat apron, yes. Yeah, and, and poor Franklin really... There's not a lot for him to do. He, also, oh, a very okay. interesting choice of clothing for Leatherface. He's wearing like a tuxedo? With a tie. Yeah. Which is very... That's under the apron. It's, yeah. it's, it's under the apron, and <laughs> it's just... I don't know, it's a very interesting choice, but it's really effective. Yeah, it's a, it's a bold bold uh, outfit. It is. And uh, he's making it work, Queen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Queen, be you. <laughs> Snaps. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so, now Sally has just seen her brother get brutally killed with this chainsaw. Yes, yes. Uh, she can only assume that the same has happened to her other friends. Yes. And so she's she takes off like a bat out of hell. She does. Again, one of the few reasonable things that happens in this movie. <laughs> Leatherface is chasing her. They're running through these thick bramble patches in, uh, oh, in the Texas wild. I couldn't imagine filming that. Yeah, just dark, hot, spiny, just like thimbly thorns yeah through. they cut you up marilyn burns a All lot of takes. her cuts were were actually real from getting that just woman cut up by it. yeah for <laughs> sure for sure she really uh she took one for the team in a, yeah. in a lot of ways she did and it really paid off yeah it, it's definitely her performance is definitely part of what makes this movie so good mm-hmm. um in a way a lot of people credit her as being the first quote-unquote final girl yes um she is definitely a scream queen she, she is, is Hooting and hollering up a storm, and it is ear piercing. It and, is, and her eye work, like yeah. the way hit, she like her eyes are wide open, pure terror. And, yeah. and they really zoom in on the eyes later on too, and it's like a very disorienting shot where mm-hmm. she's just screaming. And it's a side of her eye rolling around in her head, and it's mm-hmm. very disquieting. Her, yeah. her ankle gets messed up because she goes upstairs, is chased by Leatherface, and. The only way out for her is to jump out the window. Well, first, though, she stumbles upon a man and a woman in a chair. That's right. And a stuffed dog. Yeah. And stuffed, the, stuffed is putting it generously. It's more just, like, propped up. Yeah, it's a, it's like a skeleton that has, like, a, a blanket of dog fur thrown and on The it. dog has seen better days, and the woman has seen better days as well, the old woman. Yeah. Really taken from the prop set from Psycho. Honestly. Yeah. And the man... You, you, it has like a mask on. It looks yeah. like a mask, um, but that's what you can do with a budget. Sure. That much. And she tries to get help from him, but he doesn't respond. Unresponsive. Yeah. Unresponsive. So you're led to believe that he, they're both, that everyone in this room is dead. They look very dead. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Her last resort is to jump out the window mm-hmm. from the second story. Understandably, she hurts her ankle on the way down on her landing. It's a large drop through some glass. Sure. Yeah. And. Ordinarily, you know, we we were listening to someone talk about this movie, and they they point out that typically, when you manage to jump out the window, that that's that's it. You're you're good to go. You can escape. But Leatherface has no such ideas. He's like, oh, there's I know this house. There's steps right there. Yeah, there are steps right there, and so he goes down those steps and chases after her. Mm-hmm. She has to get back up and start running again immediately. Mm-hmm. So she's running down the road, looking for help, and 
she makes her way back to this gas station that they visited mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. She gets in there and she's begging the gas station attendant that they met earlier for help. And he, he gets her to sit down and it looks like Leatherface has vanished. Yes. He's, he's, he opens the door. There's no Leatherface. He looks around outside. There's no Leatherface. And you think, oh, great. This is where the movie ends, right? Yeah, there's a there's a light, there's a beacon at the end of the tunnel. There sure and is. She made it there, and there's a hero to save her, although not as handsome as the signing <laughs> armor. Yes, he, well, he it's, is it's a Texas sw- Heat. <laughs> it's a Texas Heat. He's a sweaty middle-aged man. Yeah, who's who's kind enough? Yeah, right? sure, sure. Um, he he does certainly southern charm. Yeah, he he tells them that uh, to wait at his place earlier in the movie while uh, they wait for gas. Mm-hmm. He says, "We got some great barbecue here. I don't and, even want to think about what that barbecue." And they is. also. So, as remember, um, Francis indulges in some of that barbecue. It's true. Franklin. And Franklin. Franklin. Yes, and, Franklin indulges in the barbecue. And it, it does not look good in his mouth. <laughs> no, <but. laughs> no, it does not. And he's really making a meal out of it. He's, like, chewing he's on really, that thing like a cigar. Really, he's really gnawing on it. Yeah. You know, really getting those juices out. But um, So it's possible that Franklin is also a cannibal. I mean, a, an unwilling cannibal. It's true. I would say. Yes. Yeah, and so... You're like, great, the movie's over, and then you check the time and you say, oh no, we still got about, plenty of movie left. Yeah, about a good 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Finally, he, the gas station attendant has left to get something. He says, you sit here, mm-hmm. and I'll be right back. I think the horrifying part about that is he leaves the door open as if just expecting, like he doesn't has no idea what's going on. Yeah. Just, the door's open, and then we'll, that guy can come in at any second. It's true. But the fact that it comes into play later that, like, he knows that he's not going to come in because he is, he's familiar with the group. Yeah, that, yeah, like, he know. knows the group. Yeah. And, uh, and so he comes back in, and he has a, a burlap sack. and it's a good old-fashioned rope. Yeah, he pulls some rope out of it. And, you know, she's, she's no dummy. <laughs> Sally sees the rope. She says, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, and he says, if you just if you behave, there won't be any trouble, and that's clearly a lie. Yes, uh, she's in trouble no matter what. But she grabs some sort of knife. It looks like a carving knife, sort of. Yeah, it looks like a knife you would just cut. Yeah, with you know. Yeah, and she is sort of holding this gas station attendant at bay using yeah. this knife. But she is inexperienced, and so he picks up a broom. He gives her a good wallop in the face with it. He, Some room fill. Yeah, he <laughs> he knocks the the knife out of her hand with it. He hits her a bunch of times, and finally gets a couple good hits in that knock her out. Yes. And so he ties her up. He gags her. He puts her into the into the burlap sack, and he drags her out to the car. Now he's on his way. He's he's about to drive off with her, but our friend here is very eco-friendly, makes sure that he goes in, turns off the lights, which he left on. So I mean, he, he yeah. literally, he's so comfortable in in this task that he's doing that he's like, oh, I forgot to turn off the lights. Let me go back yeah. in and take care that, of it. That bill will be large if I oh, do Oh, yeah, this. that's and right. we got to save the environment. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, save the whales. That's right. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is classic 70s ethos. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and he comes back, he gets her in the car, and... There's a really interesting scene in the car where he is saying, like, what his actions and his words are not meshing. Not at all. He no. is saying, like, oh, I'm sorry that I have to do this. Like, I, like, I don't want to do this. And then, But then he's also, like, cackling and jabbing her with like, some sort of baton or like something. He's, like, prodding her with the, with the broom handle. 
yeah, it, it might be the broom handle. I don't know. It looked like it was shorter than that, but it was, it was something. He's, yeah. he's prodding her with something, and not gently. No. He's, like, really hitting her he's with really this thing. He's really poking her hard, yeah. And she's screaming and crying in the, the on the floor of this car, and you see someone running up to the car, and you're, you don't know who it is. Uh-oh, it's the hitchhiker from oh, earlier. Oh, God, and his, and his varmint purse, yeah. and his... <laughs> His stupid hair. Yeah, his uh, he's got real greasy, slicked back hair, yeah. and he runs up to the car, and it's obvious that they know each other. Mm-hmm. He says, "What are you doing out for, out of the house? You left your brother alone." Oh God, this is Leatherface's brother. Yes, and they jabber back and forth a little bit. Uh, as you said, this gas station attendant is pretty abusive to everyone there, mm-hmm. um, so he he yells and hits the the hitchhiker as well, mm-hmm. and then. They hop back in the car and they go back to the house, mm-hmm. the family home. Yes. Now, finally they're all together. You have the hitchhiker, you have the gas station attendant, and you have Leatherface. And uh, poor Sally is in for a rough time here. Oh, she's not in for a good time, that's for sure. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, we finally get to see Leatherface in a new mask. Yes. He has the, the old, 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 old woman mask. Old yes, woman old mask. woman mask. And it's... Interesting the way that the masks sort of represent the personality that he has at the time. I, w- I was reading about how that was very intended. Gunnar Hansen was saying that the reason he wore a mask was because the mask determined his personality. So when they come home with Sally, he's wearing the old lady mask, and he's in an apron, and he's carrying a wooden spoon, and he wants to be domestic. Yeah, and he's very docile. He's, he's yes. not very... Because he's a massive man, he could yeah. easily kill this guy who's like hitting him with a stick. Yeah, it's, he's very meek in yes, this, this yes, moment. Yes. Prior to that, the regular mask that he's wearing is called the killing mask for obvious reasons. Yes, he kills quite a bit yeah. in this mask. <laughs> but it's also implied that he is cutting up some sort of meat. He, it's like a, it's like a slaughterhousey sort of mm-hmm. area that he was in. Yeah, so. and the mask is very. I don't, I don't want to say like cut together but it's it's a little bit more like grotesque than the yeah it's certainly not as well put together no not at all like you said he's getting hit with this stick you know the the gas station attendant is being abusive to him as well he's looking for reasons to to hit these he people. really is yeah um because he he asks leatherface he says did you let any of them get away is this all of them mm-hmm. and leatherface says yes and he's correct <laughs> this is, <laughs> he is the final person but he, it doesn't matter. The gas station attendant, is, he just starts going to town on him for one reason or another. Yeah, he says, like, the kitchen's messy or something yeah. like that. And he just, like, still goes to town. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really brutal. And, and you sort of get the idea of why these people might be this way. Mm-hmm. He's, he's an older gentleman than certainly the hitchhiker. You can't really tell what yeah. Leatherface is like under there. But you get the impression that he is sort of the patriarch of the family, at least of the living family. Yes. And he ref- they refer to the old man that you saw earlier as Grandpa. Mm-hmm. So who who knows what happened to them in their childhood that made them oh, this yeah. way? It could not have been good. They're they're all cannibals now. And it's a tale as old as time too. Yeah. I mean, you see this like even in real life, just like repeated the cycle perpetuates yes and it's it's very sad yeah it is and poor sally (laughs) sally's just in the middle yeah she's getting caught in the middle of this and she gets tied up to a chair and they they say go get grandpa 
and you are you finally realize that this guy is not dead. Mm-hmm. They bring him down the stairs. They cut Sally's hand, and they actually cut the actress's hand. That's right as well. Yeah, I, uh, the the blood tube or the tube that the blood was supposed to come out of wasn't working, and so she moved her hand last second so that he actually cut her. Uh, just another example of her dedication to this yes. movie. Um, shedding real real blood, sweat, and tears, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Yes. Uh, all the above. A whole check, lot of sweat. Check, check, and check. And the like you said, yeah, a whole lot of sweat because they were filming in the middle of a heat wave. It was hundred degree temperatures every single day. Miserable. R- reportedly, Gunnar Hansen said that they're they're in this house and it's so hot and it's hundred and ten degrees with the filming lights making it even worse. So. Things are rotting when there's there's all this meat around. Things are rotting. There's people just grimy as all hell. Yeah, it's it's it people, can only be called disgusting. And the actors, I'm sure, are just irritated, just bringing out the visceral yeah. anger and like just just maliciousness, just like being like, I know when I'm uncomfortable and I'm hungry, I'm just not a nice person. And yeah. just imagining being one of the actors there, like <laughs> I'm just gonna take it all out on these people. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah, Gunnar Hansen has said, he said on the DVD commentary that for a second, he for real wanted to kill Marilyn Burns. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh, Gunnar, Gunnar, boy, settle down. Yeah, so they go get Grandpa, they bring him down, they cut Marilyn's hand, and they stick Marilyn's finger that's been cut into Grandpa's mouth. Yes, and, and he just does his dance. He, yeah, he like sucks on the blood and does a little happy Grampy dance. Yeah, uh, it's a, just a little old man jig yeah. in his chair. <laughs> in his chair, and you're like, oh, this, even more fucked up people are 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 here for the fun. Yes, and the idea is that he's gonna be. They're gonna give him the kill. It's gonna. Be, it's she's all tied up and ready for yes. him. So they bring him down. Leatherface gives him the knockout sledgehammer that he he used, and they tell her about how Grandpa used to work at the slaughterhouse, and it, it only took him one hit to to kill the cows. So you'll be fine, right? Those back in the golden days. Golden days, yeah. yeah. Um, things have certainly changed because not only does it take more than one hit, Leatherface has to help him even hold the hammer. And this this scene I felt was like almost the scariest part because it was someone who's completely helpless in the scenario. Yeah. And she and these people, they're not necessarily toying with her purposely, but it's like a torture of like a mock killing. They're yeah. like this like I'm gonna die right now, but it's so much effort for the person they're trying to get me like get to kill me mm-hmm. that I know I'm not gonna die right now. And it's and just it's like, very slow too. It's very slow and Old man cannot swing this hammer. Yeah. So like, he's like a half corpse at this point. Yeah, it takes, I would say it's like three swings before he even actually connects. Before he connects, because he keeps dropping the hammer yeah. into the bucket, and there's a bucket to collect your blood there, which is also horrifying. Like, yeah. How many times have they done this? Yeah. Right? But when he does connect, it's brutal again. It uh, is. There's blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you wonder how much of that is Leatherface helping him and yeah. lending his strength. Yeah, so she's bleeding. So he connects on the third one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fourth one, it, it, she finally, it's its taking long enough. Because she, there's so many people just trying to help this old man yeah. kill this woman. And it's it's, not it's a classic case of too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> one would say. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's just a cook. Yes, he's just a cook. Uh, they That's how the hitchhiker... Ed Neal, who yes. plays him, refers to the gas station attendant. He says, he's just the cook. Yeah. Mm. Who, who, who does a great job, by the way. Yeah, great yeah. Job. Really, ev- 
all of the characters in this are portrayed to perfection, which is why it's considered the classic that it is. Yeah. Heaven, and for well, for one of many reasons. Mm-hmm. So there's too many cooks in the kitchen. They're all trying to help out, and they are distracted enough trying to help Grandpa that she manages to break her bonds and and she slips away from the hitchhiker. Yeah. And. They're like, oh, go get her, go get her. And she has to jump through a second window (laughs) to get out of here. So many windows. (laughs) So many windows. Literally more window jumps than Chainsaw Kills. Which you would not think with the name of the movie that I'm watching. it's true. But But that is the case. And so she jumps out this window, and she's she's running again. She's taking off down this, this same road. Second time's the charm. Leatherface is hot on her heels. He is wearing the pretty lady suit and, at this point. Oh, is he a pretty lady? He sure is. He's got some lovely makeup on. Um, definitely not too heavy on the blush. No, but on the eyeshadow, it's a little... It's a little, much. It's a little much, but but he's he's making it work. And he's, he's running after her with the chainsaw, and so is the hitchhiker. He's, he's running after her as well. And almost in a mocking way. Yeah, he yeah. definitely could have caught up to her. Yes. And, in fact, as she gets closer to the road, he does. He stabs her a bunch of times in the back. With, with a switchblade. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a switchblade or it's like a razor blade oh, no, or something. It, yeah, it, it's like a razor that you would get like a close shave at a yeah. barber with. Right, yeah, like a straight razor sort of thing. And he's he's slashing her back the whole time and cackling and she's screaming and Leatherface is mumbling gibberish and he has the chainsaw running and there's just so much happening yeah. all at once. And you're, you're terrified for... For this poor character. It's a bit of like an overload of just like yeah. everything happening. There's so much. And to add one more noise to the to the whole bunch, she makes it to the road and you see a big a big uh, Mack truck coming down the road. <laughs> and it he's he the hitchhiker is slashing away at her and he's so distracted that he doesn't see this truck coming. Yeah. And they are both in the middle of the road and thankfully Sally is able to kind of shift to the side a little bit, yeah. and the truck just plows, <laughs> just just really just sucks him under the tires, and he just gets yeah. There's up. there's a very funny looking practical effect where it's it's still good, but it is probably the worst effect yeah. in the in the movie. I mean, it made me laugh, but I think it's just because of the situation. Yeah, like, it's it's a it's like a nice comic relief moment because yeah. there's been so much tension up to this point. Oh, yeah. And finally, he gets crushed under these wheels, and you're like, oh, great, she's safe. Wait, nope, Leatherface is still there. He's still got the chainsaw. The Mack truck does stop, yep. however. He yep. he tries to help Sally. Very nice of him, considering that he is literally seeing an attempted murder happen, and there's also another guy coming after them with a chainsaw. With a chainsaw. So he pulls Sally into the truck, um, shuts the door. Leatherface is attacking the door with a chainsaw, mm-hmm. and... Uh, instead of trying to just drive off, for some reason, he goes out the other side of the cab. Yeah. And he has a wrench with him. Yes. And he hits Leatherface with just, it. Just right in the noggin. Yeah, yeah. and it, Leatherface kind of stumbles back a little bit. Drops his chainsaw. Yeah, and it, it slices his own leg. Yes. So that's a, the, he's, he's slowed even more. Yes, his um, limping muscles are cut. Right, and... He is he's still trying to chase after them. The truck driver and Sally kind of s- split off in different directions. 
and Sally sees another truck coming. This is a, a regular truck, like a flatbed pickup truck. Yeah, yeah. And thankfully, because it's this lonesome stretch of highway, thank goodness, yeah, two people really, came along really in such a, a short amount of time. But he also stops. Holy cow, thank goodness. Uh, and she hops in, and she is just coated in blood at this point. Just covered head and toe. Yeah. And, and she, the, tr- the driver starts driving her away, and she just starts screaming, laughing in this pure catharsis moment. In shock. Yeah. Just like, she can't believe she made it out. I can't believe yeah, she made seriously. it out. <laughs> because he's even chasing her while she's in the truck. Like, you yeah, see him he's still running after and Leatherface is so frustrated at this point that he does also a little dance. He clearly got the dancing bug from his grandfather. Clearly. And he does a, a little chainsaw dance in the middle of the road there. Which is one of the most iconic scenes, I think, in horror film history. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, I'm going to say it's the only scene in a horror film that I've seen in like an Oscar montage. Mm. It, never, it didn't win any Oscars, I don't believe. Right? Yeah. But when it did, like... No, this was very poorly received. But <laughs> I wonder why. But in like in the Oscar movie montage of great moments, this was the only scene from a horror movie that I recall seeing. Wow. Of just him just twirling in the middle of the road with a chainsaw. Yeah. And it's, I'm sure, I mean, I think about it all the time. It's like a great cinema moment. It's truly iconic. It yeah. really is. And I think that it's this scene that kind of cemented Leatherface as a horror icon. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the end of it. She gets away. It cuts very abruptly. Yeah, it does cut very abruptly. Yeah. But it's in a way that that I like that it ends that way. Because, in my mind, this whole thing is sort of from her perspective. You're, you're with these characters the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so she doesn't know what happens to him at the no. end of the day. Yeah. There is a little bit of preamble at the beginning that says they never found the killer. Mm-hmm. And so you... All you're left wondering is how he got away with this. Did he get the... Did he get the, the truck driver... Um, did that guy get away? Yeah, because the truck driver just like, fuck this, I am out. Yeah, but, I mean, the, his truck is still right yeah, there. Yeah, it's running right there. So, uh, so you're, you're sort of left with this, these questions. Yeah. And, uh, it really, it's, a, it's an awesome final scene, and they did an awesome job. Now, I also, I did want to say that it's not just their performances, although they are wonderful, there's some really awesome tone setting and cinematography. It's sort of done in in almost a documentary style. It feels like this is done on purpose to give it that sort of aura of truth. Yeah, like a it. lot of it feels like there's just cameras set up around the house in like random corners of yeah. the rooms to cap. It's like, I mean, it's obviously placed there for cinematography's sake, but mm-hmm. it feels like it's there to like document a situation at a moment in time. Yeah. There's there's some more really cool cinematography where right at the very beginning, and this is an awesome tone setter, it's pitch black until there's some flash from a camera. Which I think is very tone setting and like influential for some movie trailers in the future. Oh, yeah. Like for Alien, mm-hmm. especially. Because yeah. I, I know Ridley Scott really appreciated this movie. He's inspired he yeah. by it to bring the gruesomeness and violent, like the violent acts that occur in this movie to a different setting. Yeah. But, space. But yeah, it's a space. But at the same time, like the trailer had that like like ominous noise, mm-hmm. and it would just be like a black, and then like a, a shot or something when the noise happened. Yeah, that was very clearly taken from this film. Yeah, it's very close. Yeah, the, so there's a flash of light, and then you see like a rotting body piece, um, and then it fades back to black. Yes. And then there's another flash, and you see another rotting body piece, but it's a different one, and it could be a different person. And 
this happens a couple times, and it's really sets the mood of what you're in for. Yeah. They do an awesome job with that. Now, there's all kinds of rumors about the production of this movie. Um, some people talk about how the distribution company was actually a money laundering front for the mafia, mm. which is why the actors and, and everyone who was taking part in this had to fight so hard to get some of the, the money that they were owed for taking like for taking shares of the movie instead of actual money. They were misled about the profits that the movie made. And so years down the road, they finally were able to get some sort of compensation. I believe they each got $200,000 for okay. in the acquisition of Texas Chainsaw, the rights from it. Okay. So rumors about the production company. There's all sorts of stories that came out from the set of people being high all the time. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, and, it was that time. It was like yeah. the hippie culture. Was That's right. It was well. very counterculture, yes. um, liberal drug use. And they were right outside Austin. I think you said even like the guy who did the voiceover of the intro, he was paid by a single joint. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so his his only role is to do the the preamble at the beginning, and yeah, he got a single joint was his payment. <laughs> and, I mean, uh, sure, why not? Yeah, why not? Um, so we have all of this. It all adds up to a great movie. But my question, Mason, is why is this the best horror movie of all time? I think it's the best horror movie because it really influenced the kind of horror that I grew to know and love and that helped shape my enjoyment of the genre. Growing up, I, as I mentioned before, I used to love watching the, the Halloween movies, Friday the 13th movies. Um, those movies where there's a large, unstoppable force behind all of the horror and mayhem that's occurring in the films, and I don't think they could be made possible without this film. I can't disagree with that. And at the same time, I think some of the cinematography, I know we touched on it briefly, some of the, cin the cinematography was very... The first time I really saw it where a cinematography made me uneasy, mm -hmm. and it was a very unflattering angles and just ugly scenes, Yeah, but it was so effective. Um, sure, it, it, that helps to create the atmosphere in addition exactly. to the set design and everything. Just someone tied to a chair and like showing underneath where they're sitting. Like I'm pretty sure I saw that shot in a Kubrick film in 1980. Yeah. Just like the fact that it, it's very influential for being so understated and like kind of kicked to the curb. But I think if you really ask a lot of filmmakers about this film, they would say it was extremely influential to their art and who they are today. I totally agree. Uh, to me, this is the best horror movie of all time because we would not have the same genre that we have without this movie. Absolutely not. It is insanely influential it helped start the slasher genre which is my personal favorite style of horror mm -hmm. and none of that would be possible without leatherface and toby hooper's uh, texas chainsaw massacre exactly and i think when we think of this movie we think of just things that are so much more outrageous and just gory and violent mm -hmm. but when we actually watch the film we realize that it's much more understated than our minds thought. And that's, yeah, they let you do a lot of the work. They do, and that's very, um, that's a lot of, I mean, if you watch it now, it's, like some people laugh at the kind of things that happen here, but mm -hmm. the kind of work that your imagination does to really flesh out the violence in the characters and the cinematography really is groundbreaking. Yeah, and, and for being such a progenitor of the, of the genre, the fact that they were able to 
create such iconic imagery. There are there are moments from this that just sear into your brain, and the chainsaw dance is one of them. Uh, her strapped to the chair while she's at this dinner table is one of them. Oh yeah, and that, that's been used in countless movies. I've oh, seen yeah. that scene redone so many times. Yeah, just strapped to the chair, waking up at dinner and seeing people laughing at her in her face. She's waiting to meet her and meet her doom. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so at the end of the day, it, it, its influence, like I said, it can't be overstated, and for it to, not, to for it to have that sort of influence and also still be good, yeah. it's not just that the ideas were good, the execution is really awesome as well. And so for that, to me, this is the best horror movie of all time. Best horror movie of all time and a testament to great, passionate filmmaking. That's right, that's right. Independent filmmaking is not dead, if you ask Toby Hooper. Nope. Well, he's dead. But, but if, if you were to revive him as yes. if he was Grandpa, exactly. you would say the same thing. Yes, uh, stick a, a bloody finger in, in the corpse of Toby Hooper's mouth and, and see what happens. And you, he would utter those words. <laughs> He'd come back, <laughs> Independent <laughs> filmmaking's not dead. Then he would die immediately. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, Mason, I had a great time chatting with you. Did I mean? Do you have anything that you want to plug? I, I have nothing to plug. Just, just wish me a good, fruitful life moving forward. Wow. Done and done, Mason. I hope your life is long and fruitful. Thank you. <laughs> so, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, you can find me at George, or excuse me, at Gerg Hef on Twitter. The show's Twitter. That's at Little Horror PHL. And let us know what you think about this. Do you th- do you agree that this is the best horror movie ever made? Do you think that it's a stone cold classic, but maybe not the best? This is this is a huge one for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and so I'm curious to know what everyone thinks. So definitely reach out and let us know. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>